Uh, this is it. We're rolling here. This is uh, episode 322 of No Laugh Track Podcast. I'm laughing already, which is a good sign. I'm here at Acme Comedy Company. It is a Thursday. I'm Justin Severson, and I am here with Derek Hughes. This is the 95th time you've been on this podcast. So congrats. I was looking forward to hanging out with you. Thank you. This is actually, I think, your sixth t- uh, episode, but it's been over a year, Derek. Is that true? Yeah. Six? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. But it's been over a year. And we blame you for that. Just over I've a year, though. Here. Just over a year. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it Thanksgiving time? No. Last uh, last time we did it was April of 2017. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know. Well. Tell me every, give me details of every day between now and then. But it feels like yesterday. Oh, thanks. You know what I want? So it's New Year's, uh, it's now 2019, Derek. You worked New Year's Eve here, Monday. I did. How was it? I love New Year's Eve at this club. You Have know. you done them before? I did a New Year's, uh, I featured one year, uh, many moons ago, and and then I have headlined uh, for New Year's yeah. uh, a while back. And, you know, it's the best place to be. New Year's, hometown, best club on the planet. And when it's New I Year's, s- it's like the night for comedy, you know? It's like, uh, it's just the crowds were... Absolutely amazing, and we all had fun. And then we got to count down, right? You know, timing the set. You know, the, getting the light okay. uh, timed. Yeah, just how did right. you do that? We did. Uh, we knew we wanted to wrap up with just a couple minutes. Um, when I featured in the past uh, on New Year's, uh, what we did is the headliner wrapped. 10 minutes until midnight and then invited me and the MC back on stage and we all just kind of jammed on random jokes oh until it was countdown that time be fun that was really fun yeah um what we did this weekend is I asked for a light at quarter two 10 two and five two okay so I could really wrap up my set um because magic you know I, I integrate magic and stand-up comedy and i can't just sort of cut a magic thing right, short right you know we can you, you can edit and jump right to the strong punchline on a joke maybe sure uh, and then you know call it call it a night but you know we got to get there's a certain row of dominoes uh-huh. that i've set up during the course of my uh my whole show you can't just do is this your card but we never saw cards at all <laughs> earlier in the night that's a jimmy pardo joke I know it's it fantastic <laughs> jimmy pardo if you don't know is a great stand-up from la you, you know he wears a tuxedo and he's just a he's a dashing debonair man of hilarity and at one point he reaches into the uh top pocket of his jacket his uh, handkerchief pocket and pulls out an ace of spades and holds it up to someone in the front row and says out of nowhere is this your card <laughs> No, puts it back in his pocket. On with the show. I mean, <laughs> by the way, I just in the last week I found out he's been doing that for over like twenty some years. Really, that has been part of his act. On How'd you off. find that out? Because he just he, in the last week. Because he did it. I listened to an ep- episode of his podcast, Never Not Funny, with Brian Regan. Okay, and they were, and it came up about. Uh, I think it was before Brian was even on. Anyway, they're talking about old recordings of his, and apparently it's on a really old recording of his that was never released, possibly. Oh. And he was like, yeah, if, you know, if people want to hear that, I'm actually doing the, is this your card? Like, It's been around that long. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Anyway, so back to you. Five minutes to midnight. Show's done. I got the, so I got the light five mm-hmm. minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. So this, this way, because I often don't work with a light. Yeah. Because, uh, again, it's a row of dominoes, so I kind of know the timing right. on what I'm going to present. Right. And, um, you know, I kind of keep an eye on my watch. And but but you know, this was very the high stakes. You know, we didn't want to count down five minutes late. No, yeah, uh, this is very important. Do you notice anybody looking at their phones or watch? Nobody has a watch. Really, I didn't. That's I good. didn't, and that's a good sign. Yeah, that they were. Do we trust up. this guy? Is he going to let us know? Yeah. No. Uh, so then. I did mention it at five minutes, so and, and kind okay. of used it as the justification to dive into the final uh, coup d'état. Okay, and we wrapped it up, and then I called uh, our guys uh, Nate and Greg back out on stage, and we, uh, yeah, we 
they brought out some champagne and I then did notice that the servers had brought small glasses of champagne to everyone in the room without me noticing that so oh, wow. so much for being present <laughs> uh, like oh my god we all have something to toast with yeah, and I nice. had everybody stand up and we toasted and cheers and and it was great very cool yeah some uh, nice woman in the front row uh, gave me a hug oh, it was very sweet oh, uh, your mom was here uh, someone's mother <laughs> and it was a very motherly hug was it um, yeah <laughs> If Charlene is listening, don't worry. I was not mauled by some floozy. Uh, it was it was a very it was a very it was a very thankful hug. She was like it was you know there was a lot of gratitude and that made me feel very nice. Like oh. I think this woman really enjoyed her time tonight and was glad she came. And uh, yeah, I think it was past her bedtime too. So oh yeah 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 sure she's probably yeah what's that uh, getting goofy from lack of sleep right yeah um, well that's great I, you had a way better night than I did. Yeah, what'd you do? Just, I mean, mine was fine. It's just there was... I had one drink. Um, I was home. The TV was on. It was... It was, was it Rockin' New Year's? Yeah, it was the Rockin' New Year's. You were with Ryan? Ryan, Jenny, McCarthy. Of course. Uh, Steve Harvey was on another channel. Okay. Uh, yeah. Another channel? Mm-hmm. So you were flipping around? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Between three channels, I think. Wow. Yeah, things getting pretty crazy. <laughs> pretty not. Which ball do you let drop? <laughs> it's only one ball that drops. Hey, that's hey, Ryan Seacrest, right? Apparently, they were upset that uh, I didn't. I I did see a ball drop. Like they replayed one on whatever channel I had on. I did see people get upset on social media that one of the channels didn't show it. NBC apparently oh. in Minnesota didn't replay a ball drop. You know, from the hour. Oh, sure, from the sure, East Coast. yeah. Well, I, come I on, tradition. Yeah, right. We were watching. <laughs> I wonder, what do you think about this? With uh, as a parent, with uh, how old are your boys now? Five and seven now. Five and seven. Yeah. So, would you do something like this? And maybe you did. They had a thing. Uh, it was somewhere. Was it the Children's Museum, possibly in St. Paul? Uh, they did it. The day before and the day after at noon, they had their own version of a ball drop for kids. Oh, at, that's fun. At noon. My that, wife, we saw it on the news. She's like, that's stupid. Okay. <laughs> is it? I, I, think it's, it's, I think it's all right. What is it doing, though? It's like training wheels to get really hammered for the when you're actually of age. Yeah. Like, uh, uh-huh. like uh, I don't think I missed... My childhood didn't miss out because I didn't do a ball drop at noon on a... No, man. The, the best the part about New Year's as a kid is being able to, before winter break, say to your friends, see you next year. Yeah, absolutely. That was it. And... and Amazingly, or I guess maybe even not surprisingly, that hasn't that joke lives on. Oh, as I'm I in did, my 40s now, Derek. People are still using. Still, I just heard it Monday. Nice. Well, and I found it. Uh, there's an uptick in my enthusiasm for it because I now have young kids. Yeah, and man, Edward, the seven-year-old, he thought it was incredible. <laughs> see you next year when I was heading to work that night. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Haha. <laughs> yeah, see you next year. Uh-huh. He loved it. <laughs> Because at that age, the years don't just blur together no, God. into six no, it's a episodes of No Laugh Track That's right. That's that right. seemed just like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, that'll be the way put, people put time in perspective. Much how, like six how, years of No Laugh Track. Well, it is amazing, you know, because as a kid, a year is unfathomable. Oh, it's an a eternity. A year is an eternity. And really, it does feel like yesterday that we were sitting right here. Yeah. And, you know, that does blow my mind, you know, how time accelerates. And now as a, as a parent and, and a, a, you know, as a family man, I want to slow it down. Oh, God, yes. All I want to do is slow it down. I want to buy more time. Yes. Um, yes. And- I never use the phrase. I want to know what you think about this. I never say... I need to kill some time, or I was killing time. I don't ever have enough time for anything. Thank you. For anything. not. Even if I'm going to close my eyes for 10 minutes, I don't look at that as killing time. I'm no. filling that time with something I didn't get to do. Yeah. I'm no longer killing time. No. I want more. There's no filler. No, none. Here's something we don't... Here's a word. Our kids... Okay, this is embarrassing. You know, they're five and seven. They have filthy trucker mouths. And that's because Charlene and I have filthy trucker mouths. Okay. And we have to work on that. We okay. really, we honestly do. And I think what we have to work on is just being really clear about where it's appropriate and okay to have a filthy trucker mouth. Yep, yep. Um, 
because words are just words and we don't want to put too much importance on something being, you know, bad just based on language. Um, But we do want to be respectful of other people's mores Uh in social settings and how do we teach that Um, but if there is a swear word around our house if there is a bad word in our home it's bored oh yeah yeah Uh I'm bored we don't say it and we don't tolerate it yeah it's you know if someone's bored you go find something to do absolutely you know what the boys don't say it it's pretty pretty cool that's good yeah well, what I really want to know is give me a really good example of them swearing in, a, in an inappropriate time. That's oh, what man. I really want to know. In, well, not an inappropriate time because they're pretty good. They're pretty good in public. Uh, they whisper swear words oh, okay. in public. Uh, okay. <laughs> to each other? Uh, or to, like, they, know, they a, know it's okay for you to hear okay, it or what? Benjamin's five, <laughs> and he just, just last week, he came up with the name of a restaurant. <laughs> the vagina diner. Oh, the vagina diner. Hmm. And we were laughing so hard. So then he started saying it more and more. And then we had to. We got out of the car to go into where we were headed, and he was saying it louder <laughs> and louder in the parking lot. And we're like, "Now is the time to lay off the vagina diner." Yeah. Um, sing song. <laughs> So that's a recent one. Um, I remember being about uh, probably 10 or 11 or so and using the word generic in a sentence and blowing my parents' minds. Oh, really? Yeah. And I don't know why. You remember that? Yeah, because it stood out. Like, obviously, it still stands out. Like, they were so blown away, like, that I used the word generic. Well, I don't uh, know why. Let me ask you this. And now uh, you're you're five year olds using uh, the word vagina correctly. <laughs> I don't correctly. Yeah. You've been to the vagina diner? <laughs> no. Okay, incorrectly, um, but um, in complete sentences, which I'm impressed by. You know, it is it is amazing when the when your kids start using vocabulary words, they start forming thoughts. You know, it kind of wrecks your brain. Like, oh my god, they are independent engines of thought. Oh yeah, and. I will one day not be able to control what they mm-hmm. do. Oh yeah! I hope I guide them towards worthy, uh, a worthy focus. No, no doubt, no doubt. I had a cousin when we were growing up. Was, I don't know. He's seven, six, seven years younger than me, and he was the one when we would get together at holidays. There was one, only one, that had the cuss like a sailor. And I loved it. I loved being around my little because I didn't talk like that. Sure, my parents don't didn't or don't talk like that around me. Uh, but then going and it was so taboo. It was just like I lo- I ate it up. The fact that my cute little little you know five year old nephew or not nephew but cousin was yeah. just cursing like I'd never heard before. And do you think that's changing? I think it. I think it's changing a little. I think you know. Swear words are happening more on television, you know, like I'm oh, watching yes. Hulu and I mean, oh, they're yeah. dropping an F-bomb yeah. and Jack Ryan and, uh, yeah, it's just kind of... I mean... Well, any... It's 2019 now, the fact that there's so many, like, uh, YouTube, you know, people used to worry about, uh, oh, I better keep an eye on what my children are watching on television or listening to on the radio. Well... Once they get in front of like either a you know an iPod or whatever to the internet and it's yeah. YouTube, then it's open. You're not going to be able to keep an eye on everything. You would no longer be able to. You can't. YouTube so doesn't have a rating. How Kids we, are going to watch anything they want. Yet, I mean, there may be a there may right be now. a filter. How could there be a filter though? I mean, uh, it's still not. I mean, yeah, they're going to keep uh, boobies off of there, but it's not. <laughs> Sort of. Sort I of. mean, yeah. yeah. There's a different tube for that. Yeah, there's many different <laughs> many tubes. tubes. <laughs> um, and I'm going to guess many of them are tied. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's stupid. Did you... Um, I want to bring up one more thing about uh, working New Year's. Did you see what happened to Tiffany Haddish? Uh, I didn't, but I heard some... You tell me, because all I heard was... You know, I caught a cold New Year's Eve, and again, I apologize for my stuff, stuffy uh, cadence well, here you don't today. don't always sound like this? Um, And then I've been sleeping in between shows now because I'm trying to get better. I understand Um, completely. What happened? She she had a bunch of people walk out. Apparently she'd done a – or she was hanging out with some people the night before, drank until really early in the morning. Basically showed up to her show still buzzing. And then uh, she eventually shifted – this is – I'm reading this out of an article about it. She eventually shifted her efforts towards just making sure everyone had a good time. This is after she was forgetting her – 
she forgot her act. Oh, really? Yeah. She cracked open a bottle of Ciroc, is that how you pronounce that? To share with some fans and even invited some of the more vocal audience members up to try and see if they could do any better. Fuck it, she declared. I really want to talk about some stuff, but I can't remember uh, none of it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And what was the venue? Oh, it was that I? You know, she's not. I don't think it was. A, was it a club? Uh, I don't have that in front of me here. Oh, that's too. But bad. I mean, even you know, I she a lot of people walked, which is what you know the first headline that caught my eyes. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. You've that, never forgotten your stuff up on stage. I have never forgotten my stuff. Uh, I, yeah, you can blank, you know, and what what. What I sometimes forget is that the audience doesn't necessarily know how this is supposed to unfold. So um, there was a time earlier in my career where I really, man, I wanted to get it right, you know. And as I've worked more and more, there's a certain release in knowing even if it goes off path, you can find your way back and it could make it even more interesting if not for the audience, at least for me on that given night. Yeah. Um, though I really, it's very important to me that there's never a show where I'm just phoning it in. You know, that is so important. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I'm blessed with people who want to come out, pay money, and be live and in person at an experience. That's what seeing live entertainment is. It's an experience. It's not something that you can pause and, you know, watch at your leisure on your phone. And it, and we're here together and there's this sort of agreement. And my end of that agreement is I'm going to show up and be really present with you, I think. And I use a lot of audience participation. So it helps keep me present because you never know what somebody's going to do. Yeah. Um, you can anticipate and, you know, experience can kind of, uh, you know, give you a, a good idea of how any given thing is going to cause someone to react. Right. But you don't know where someone's from or what funny word they might say or, you know. <laughs> I had a woman uh, the first night. It was, uh, oh, it was New Year's. It was the early show on New Year's. Yeah, okay. And uh, I said, what's your name? And, and her name was Di. And for some reason that was very funny, Di, you know, like Diana or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I turned to her husband and I was like, uh, do you chant that aggressively as you make love? <laughs> Don't take it personally, dear. You know, like just the idea of yeah. some guy should die, oh. die, die, die. Is there, is there, you know, sharing their intimacy? Or the uh, the person hearing it through, like, the uh, hotel wall, right? Right, right, right. Like What's going on? Oh, my God. She's loving it. Um, but really being present. So forgetting your act, you know, that's, that, you know, that's, that's alcohol, you know, that's... Uh, Clearly, she she may have a problem um, if she allows her usage to get in the way of a very important night. You yeah. know, New Year's isn't that's a big night, you know, and often it's a big payday. Yeah. So I would imagine you if you're part of being a professional is delivering what these people came to experience, you know, for sure. And <laughs> what do you do if uh, if you just I mean, it's got to happen. Where you're just not feeling it, like, God, I don't want to be on a stage today. Well, you know, it's it really is my job to rally, you know, and I protect against that. On the road, you know, I do a fair amount of one-nighters, sometimes back-to-back, -back, uh, and so protecting energy is a huge part of my road routine, meaning, you know, I really try to plan my flight so I can check into a hotel and get two or three hours of sleep before my call time okay. and sound check. Yeah. So at least I have that going for me because if there's a danger of checking out, it's maybe when you're exhausted or, you know, you, you, you're on a, you're, you're in a grind so you can, your mind can justify, well, oh, fuck it. You know, I'll just, I'll phone it in today and, you know, I'll catch up and then tomorrow yeah. it'll be better. You know, that's, there's no excuse for that. Right. So protecting energy is huge. Okay. Um, and uh, and really making showtime the most important part of the day, you know? Okay. Um, and that's how I kind of combat against that a bit. Yeah. And, you know, something else that can 
uh, help is to acknowledge it with the audience without ever coming off of like, I don't want to be here. But, you know, letting them know, like, I'm glad you're here because uh, I don't know what. I don't know what I'm saying, Justin. Oh. Uh, <laughs> how, uh, well, what type of shows have you been doing in the last year? Besides, cl- you know, clubs. It's all over the map. All over the map. It's really all over the map. I did, uh, you know, a, in the college market, and I do a fair amount of colleges over the course of a year. Uh, they do, uh, there's something called NACA. Mm-hmm. Do you know this? The National mm-hmm. Association of Campus Activities. And these, uh, as an entertainer, you can apply, you can submit your tape. Now, I have a wonderful agent in the college market, and they submit me to these uh, conferences in the different regions around the country. And I think there's like six regions and then nationals. So, in theory, an entertainer could go and showcase, do a short set, demonstrating what it is they have to offer um, seven different times around the country. Inviting so at these conferences, schools from that whole region. Yeah, uh, you know, like Northern Plains is one of the regions, and that's Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and I think North and South Dakota. I think that's Northern Plains, and there might be other. I don't know uh, specifically, but so student representatives from all the colleges in those states come to the St. Paul Convention Center. Talent scouts. That's right. (laughs) Well, it's funny. It's they're they're kids on the committee, and um, it's kind of like practice for the world of entertainment. I it's bet like, it's like pretend agents, and it, <laughs> but it's not. I mean, it's real money and it's a yeah. real industry. It's just beginner, but a little bit, you know, because uh, you don't got to rely on a lot of these shows are funded by student service fees, right? So I'm going to get a paycheck whether people come to the show or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's up to the school to promote it in such a way that gets a good crowd. And Mm -hmm. they want artists that are a draw, and they want people who provide a good show. But sometimes you get to these, you know, schools where there's clearly a lack of management or organization, but they had the money, so they spent the money, but they did not promote it. Oh, we we put the wrong day on the poster. Um, It still happens. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I showed up, and, you know, I got no matter how far you are into your career, you still find that stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It happens all the time, you know. Uh, and that's okay. You know, like, we're going to make an incredible experience for whoever shows up that particular night. Um, but but the shows aren't necessarily uh, contingent on ticket sales. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, now, I remember in the, uh, I attended college. I remember walking by the... I don't even know what they call it. It was just kind of a common area, and all of a sudden some guy's playing an acoustic guitar, or one day there might be a sure. magician, yeah. And, man, sometimes you are thrown into <laughs> crazy venues, you know, uh, the middle of a lunchroom for a nooner, and no one knew there was going to be a show. I can't imagine. But a show happens, and I kind of love those challenges, because it almost feels like Banksy, you know, like 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 gorilla, like it's a flash mob situation. Yeah, like yeah. I'm uh-huh. suddenly there's this awesome magic show happening out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, and uh, it's harder work, but bad shows or or rough venues, less than ideal venues, help make. Uh, a performer much stronger when they then are dropped into a space like Acme, yeah. which is designed for an audience to appropriately experience comedy. I was talking with uh, Whitney Cummings about this. She does the comedy store all the time in L.A., and I'm not a huge fan of the comedy store. I've done a number of sets there, and I never left really feeling great about myself. Okay. It can be rough. You know, it's like sometimes you, they put you up, and it's very late at night, and, you know, it's drunks from right off the strip and just comics along the back wall waiting to get up and, you know, a rough room okay. to get up there and feel like, wow, I am the talented creator that I believe myself to be. Uh-huh. Uh, but Wendy had a great point. She's like, I love doing the comedy store because it sucks. And uh, then I go to a great room 
and I destroy, okay. and it feels effortless. Mm-hmm. It's like swinging with multiple bats. Yeah. You know, it's like, so then when you're holding just the one, it's like whack-a-mole, you know? It's well, just, or it feels lighter, but you suck no matter what and still can hit the ball. <laughs> Knock on wood and God forbid. <laughs> Because that happens sometimes, too. I don't know. Uh, I have a whole page of notes here I want to ask you stuff about, including this one, Derek Hughes. Why, how, where? Give me the all the details of the picture I saw with you, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon. Okay. Can I tell you? I'm not allowed to discuss that as we go into discussing that. Um, I signed a non-disclosure for a, a very recent event that I performed at. Uh, it was a very intimate family holiday party in a uh, um, undisclosed location for a uh, non-disclosed uh, wrestling magnet. Uh-huh. Um, you might say someone responsible for the, the popularity of wrestling spectacle as we understand it to this day Mm -hmm. Um, and he was an incredibly generous host and it was a really fun party for about 15 of uh, the closest family members Um, you know Stephanie I think and Triple H are a couple yeah so yeah it was this very and I wasn't allowed to take pictures or tell anybody about it and Triple H was so taken by the show that he he got all excited it was like let's take a picture and I want to post it and I was like please <laughs> please do that sir Mr. Triple um, and it was just yeah it was a really cool now it's funny because it was such a great group and uh, you know it was in a living room which is not a professional performing environment and people are in very casual they're, they're sitting on couches and you know we have we have mothers and elderly aunts and we have kids and siblings and uh the night before I was I was on the east coast to do two shows that one which was an afternoon show and then the guy that booked me to do that uh tagged on this sort of random company party downtown at a restaurant uh, down in Tribeca, uh, New York. And the so talking to that, the client for the company party, she had mentioned when we were talking over details and timing um, that one of their one of their employees was a real talker, you know, so just be aware, you know, he, he he likes to speak. He he heckles a little, you know. So just so you know, just so you're warned. Uh huh. Okay. So I land in New York the night before because this uh, non-disclosed location and I can't talk about it. Event is the following day at around two in the afternoon, and as I'm driving from the airport uh, with my my buddy who booked me. Uh, I get a text from the client for the following night saying, hey, I'm at the restaurant. Are you here? Okay. Uh So, right? Uh Uh-oh. Because it's in my calendar for the following night. The whole reason we added it on is because it was an easy add-on that would just sort of cover travel and give some extra spending money in it. It wasn't like a big money gig, but it was just an an extra thing since I'm in the area and we were going to do it. So I call her and I say, well, I'm planning on seeing you tomorrow night. She's like, I made the biggest mistake. I messed up and it's totally my fault. But is there any way you can make it here? Now, we were on our way to see a show in, in the city. We had uh, booked tickets. My buddy had uh, gotten us tickets to see a magic show. The Illusionists is on oh, Broadway. Uh-huh. So we we're going to go see The Illusionists. So we parked near The Illusionists and I grabbed my show bag and sent him and his son off to see the illusionists and I got an Uber downtown to this holiday party. Yeah. And I'd been warned that the the non-disclosed client <laughs> the uh that the kids were very 
worldly and have seen everything and they're pretty aggressive and so they'll probably you know be prepared for the kids to you know challenge you a little with your magic oh that was just a warning you know like because they're really bright and and also very confident as you can imagine a wrestling dynasty's kids might have some chutzpah sure okay Uh uh-huh so that was in the back of my mind like ugh. so the the night before I go down and do last minute yeah. this gig, uh, and it's five, eight top tables in this basement of this restaurant. Everyone, very elegant, very nice, and there is this asshole, douchebag, monster of a human being who won't shut up through the entire set. Justin, I've never experienced a hacker like this in my entire life. <laughs> this guy, and he was nonsensical. Oh, no. I mean, just, hey, magic? Where'd you get that rope? You know, like, didn't, there was nothing clever about it. Yeah. He was at a round table facing away from where I was standing and performing. And he would turn around in his chair and blurt some stupid ejaculation of nonsense. <laughs> and then turn away and face away from me. Uh-huh. Oh. He, it was bizarre. Oh, no. The people in the room were all like, oh, come on, let's call him George, because that was his name. Come on, George, you know, just, oh, settle down, George. Let him do his show, George. And I was just blown away that these people, I, I engaged him, but I didn't feel like I could totally slap him down. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's this intimate group and it's their party. Yeah. It's not like they came, if that happened in a club setting, this guy would be so bounced, it's not even funny. Right, right. When I finished with the show, you know, I struggled through it. We got to the end. Uh... The woman comes out. She's like, I'm sorry about George. And I'm like, is he brilliant at what he does? She's like, no. <laughs> is he essential to the company? Not really. But it's a small company, and it's uh, <laughs> their family. They've all worked together for years, you know. And he's just kind of – he's like a made man. He's like, he's like he's in, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it blows my mind how that guy, his dysfunction sabotaged everyone's evening. This is this is their annual celebration. I'm not cheap, and the restaurant was nice, and he's ruining it. He's just shitting all over, you know. Like, I've written a show, yeah, and it's pretty fun. Yeah. And it was just a combat against this guy's who knows what, insecurity. Like, what a sad space to live in his world. So the moral of the story is, when I got to the nooner the next day at the non-disclosed location for the uh, undisclosable client, mm-hmm. uh, they were awesome. Yeah. Like, anything those kids could have thrown my way would have been like the guy nothing before. compared to the douchebag the night before. <laughs> yeah. What a nightmare, though. Like, does when does this disclosure thing run out? When are you going to be able to ever? Never, ever, never, ever. Yeah. So interesting, isn't that? Huh? They're very private, you know, and it's, uh, you know, and I honestly, I don't think I fully understand how giant their presence in the world is. Okay. Because I'm not a wrestling fan. Yeah. I didn't know who Triple H was. Like, to me, he was the guy from the show. Hunter Hearst Helmsley? I'm telling you. And it was my friend who uh, I saw later that night who was like, what? You did what for who? Yeah. Um, And then he, I was like, oh, damn. He pulled up some photos and was like, I'm like, that guy? Oh, yeah. I totally know that guy. Yeah, he's been around. He's a beast. He's been around. Super awesome. Battled The Rock quite a bit. Is that true? Oh, yeah. 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 Super great. Super generous. Super nice guy. Um, And I was really touched that he was so adamant about taking that picture. And uh, That's so cool. Yeah. I gifted, uh, you know, I have this book to give you. I I wrote this children's book, and my buddy Nathan Christopher illustrated it. It's like a retelling of the Humpty Dumpty story. I listened back to the last time you were on this podcast uh, in the last... 48 hours to listen back to it and you we talked about that briefly at the okay. end of the last one where you were working on it there was but it was not a final product yet is that true yes yeah well you this know? is this is very exciting so i gave this i gave one of these copies to uh triple h's daughter okay um and so if you see in that tweet that photo that he's holding that it he tweeted yeah they're holding I saw the book. It. he's like i want to promote the book man and i'm like please promote the book um, now, is it actually available? Well, here's the deal. Uh, so 
last time we talked, my buddy Nathan was still working on finalizing the illustrations. Uh, you know, I uh, I wrote this poem. Uh, kind of, you know, I was, I was on the phone one night with a good buddy and we were laughing about the idea of Humpty Dumpty and what if Humpty Dumpty wasn't a tragedy? What if it was a triumph of the spirit? What if, what if Humpty Dumpty was a hero? And the next morning, Charlene, my then girlfriend, now wife, but then girlfriend, went off to work. And I um, spent the rest of that morning kind of hammering out the first and close to, to be honest, final draft of the poem. Wow. I mean, it's, no, it's gone through major revisions, you know, but the core of it kind of came out in this couple hour focused effort. Yeah. And when I finished, it was like, wow, it's kind of moving me. You know, it was touching like this is really a neat little story about following your dreams. And. So I started reciting it as a spoken word element in some of my shows, like doing colleges, you know, uh, kind of spaces where I had some room to experiment. Sure. And it was getting a great reaction, you know, like audience members were coming up to me after we're like, where can I find that poem? Who wrote that poem? You know, so I was like, OK, this is cool. I asked Nathan to illustrate it and I wanted him to illustrate it, you know, simple line drawing, something I could print it, you know, FedEx Kinko's oh. and sell his merch after shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nathan got so into it, it took him four years to complete illustrating it. And when you look, I'm going to give you one for your kids. And when you look through it, you'll see these line drawings, man. The guy is a monster. His illustrations are just off the charts, detailed, creative, inventive, exciting. And so four years later, you know, I'm hounding him and feeling frustrated, but I'm so glad he took the time he took. Uh, since we last talked, I found a, a mentor, a guy named Bob Self. He has a company called Baby Tattoo, and they, he creates some of these large format coffee table books of tattoo art. And, okay. um, you know, he goes to a lot of... Uh, comic-con type places and he very check it out babytattoo.com is very interesting uh, artists and products but he kind of mentored me and got me in touch with uh, a publishing house in seattle and i forked over you know a good percentage of my children's college savings <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I joke, I joke. They don't have any savings. Um, and I, I made a bunch of copies. Um, and uh, so this giant pallet of books arrived. Uh, and um, so, now, so now I have these to sell after shows. And it's been, I've never had merch really. And it's really cool. You know, I, 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 I read the p book I'll tell the story during the show, um, and and then afterwards, I'm just amazed that people are really excited to have it and ask me to sign it, and they're excited they're going to give it to someone, or you know they're yeah. very inspired by it. It's not available. I was I, I was in the process of developing a website where you could then click and purchase, but here's what happened, man. Um, my good friend in New York uh, who turned me on to who Triple H truly is. Okay. Uh, about a year ago, uh, nine months ago, he uh, he said, uh, FedEx me a copy of your book. Overnight it. And he wanted to bring it into a meeting. He was doing a show in New York and was invited to have a general meeting with a publisher. And he doesn't. He didn't have any book ideas of his own at the time, but he was a big fan of this and really knew uh, that it was not good. He knew that it was. He he was a fan of it. Yeah. So he brought it into that meeting, and two weeks later, I got an email from a guy named Francisco, who's amazing, and he is the head of children's publishing at Penguin Random House, and he's like, I can't stop thinking about your book, and they bought it. So in fall 2019, uh, this will be available in bookstores Everywhere. the world over. And so I'm not selling them online. 
I'm selling them live at shows this edition. Yeah. And the updated um, and revised edition, because they gave some notes, and they're great notes, and Nathan was asked to do some revisions on some of the illustrations and the cover. Interesting. So he's just finishing up the cover right now. Yeah. And uh, We've changed the main character, also the author. It's no longer Humpty. <laughs> um, it's Little Bo Peep, but it's very, it's, you know, kind of more feminist. Cisgender. <laughs> It's killing, killing me. Uh, but I, what I am going to do as soon as we lock down the the, the hard release date, and uh, I will sort of announce this through my website standupmagician.com. So if you want, join my email list at standupmagician.com, and when this happens, I'll let you know. I'm going to start a presale uh, site because I really want Penguin to know that I'm serious about promoting the shit out of it. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to put together an original performance piece for the book tour. You know, like a, a magic show centered around the the themes and characters that are in this so book. So this is going to be your next. That's awesome. It's very awesome. This is. I mean, I. That's so great. I'm, I looked it up. Uh, I just did a like a Google search of Humpty Dumpty Derek Hughes, and it brought me to the yet. Like the Barnes and Noble and Amazon with the image coming soon or no image available, but that it's. Said Are you serious? Yeah, this is news to me. It said like September 2019. Yes, yeah. brother. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh huh. Look at the smile on look my face. Yeah. I want to take out my phone and look. What uh -huh. are you talking about? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Sir, yeah. I, I won't exactly, search it now. Well, we'll waste people's time. Okay, well, but, uh, you got something to look forward to. It's absolutely true. It's you guys. I'm so excited. Uh huh. Yeah. Has you and the and Nathan's name underneath it? That's fantastic. Yeah, that's so legit. Yeah. That's why I was. Excited I got to tell Nathan that because Nathan is an incredible artist who doesn't know his own worth. Okay. And every time I tell him how amazing this is and how huge it's going to be, he's like, well, we'll see. You know? Have um, you ever... Um was there anything else you've ever sold after shows? Like T-shirts or something? Oh, man, kinda... yeah. I, I had T-shirts made a couple of different times. Yeah. What a nightmare. Oh, yeah, I remember I had one. They're so heavy. Yeah. You know, you got to bring this huge bag, and there's different sizes for different types of people. And uh, I saw um, David Blaine sells uh, playing cards, among other things. Yes, he website. does. What what is so special about he has I look twelve dollars is the cheapest one the most expensive is like a hundred and fifty dollars. I'll tell you. Tell uh, me about expensive decks. When of cards. David invited me to go over with him to Singapore and Manila, I think two years ago, uh, he was beta testing his live show that he's been touring now, and it's fantastic. If he comes next time he comes through Minneapolis or you know anywhere you are listener go check out David Blaine live he is the real deal you know he's you know it's uh, it's not some scripted experience it's just David being David and he is so 100% who he is uh, in this in this world you know <laughs> and and he shares it all you know he's just very present and uh, it's worth it's worth catching because yeah. he's 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 a one-of-a-kind individual but so i was over there and because he he one of the stunts he does in his show is he holds his breath underwater so he asked me if i would come over and uh do a short set while he prepared for the stunt and then uh and then narrate while he was underwater oh and so we did a couple of shows we played the arena where uh the thriller in manila where ali and Frazier. Really? Yeah, man. Holy cow. I know. I did my I did magic in the center of that sports arena yeah. for a packed crowd of screaming uh Wow. Manillions? <laughs> I don't know. Manillions? Filipinos. It was, it was it was full to the millions. Yeah. Manillions. Um, but so David, we we worked out a, a fair compensation and part of it was a box of his cards okay like, those are going to be worth more than the money you believe me you want these cards <laughs> and i'm like okay david thank you <laughs> and they're great yeah. i actually i have i i still have the majority of them um playing cards and self-published playing cards uh magicians who have their own brand or box of playing card is a huge phenomenon right now and i think it is okay I oh no yeah idea. okay yeah and there's people who collect limited edition um playing cards there's uh dan and dave buck uh dan and dave industries 
you can Google them. They're uh, sort of really pioneers in the world of cardistry. Now, cardistry is a oh. branch of uh, magic that deals. It's it's like juggling and card magic mashed. It's uh, people taking a pack of cards and doing just crazy flourishes and bizarre mind-numbing spins and twists and, you know, very creative, very innovative movement. Okay. Like choreography, really, like dance with a pack of playing cards. And so... Different people have published different types of playing cards with different color backs and things to create oh, and help in these sort of sure, patterns sure. and shapes and a kaleidoscope of color. And, I mean, it's it's insane. And it is insane that David now, he comes out with a new deck every once in a while. He has the Split Spade deck, yes. which is his logo. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, and there's no joke. I mean, they go for an insane amount of money yeah. online. And these collectors are super serious. Where do you uh, buy yours? My playing cards I get at Costco. No, you don't. I do. <laughs> and I buy bicycle playing cards in bulk. Costco, you can get a, a brick of, you know, a dozen bicycle cards for about 15 bucks. So it's like $1.25 a box. Okay. Because I go through a deck of show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, here's sort of where I'm at with that. I don't use sort of a heightened or fancy pack of playing cards in my work consciously because I have always had this feeling that if something is out of the ordinary and magic happens on a conscious or unconscious level an audience member could be like well he had that weird box oh yeah yeah. so the box probably did something yeah right but if it's just a brown paper bag what can a brown paper bag do so I'm really into magic with found object, everyday object, okay. pede- pedestrian things. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to use a deck of playing cards that looks just like the deck that you find in your kitchen drawer. Right. You know? However, I am uh, – I have two days left to lock down the winner. Have you heard of 99design? Uh-uh. It's a website where uh, it's sort of a, a source pool of designers, and I'm working on a logo, um, and for you know stand-up magician. And as these designers are turning in their logos, I've kind of picked the the six finalists just this morning. Wait, a logo for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome branding. Yeah. You know, Hell and yeah. uh, something that I could throw on a hat or a shirt or yeah, yeah. And, or a deck of cards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Have you have you ever heard of a? I know you're not the biggest sports fan. There's a, a junior hockey team in Minnesota. I don't. This doesn't tie into anything other that they're called the Minnesota Magicians. Oh my God! What do you think of that logo? That is. Very, very Marvel comic magician. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh huh. And is that it's he doesn't have a magic wand. He has a magic hockey stick. He has a magic hockey that's stick. That's fantastic. Also wearing the uh, traditional white gloves. Yeah. So wait, what? When you say junior, how old is how old are these players? It's Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. It's really? it's a team like uh, I didn't know any of this forty eight hours ago. I looked this up. Um, it's guys they'll go play for these teams in this league before they go to college. How for great. a year or two. Yeah, so they're teenagers. That's a good looking logo right? for a for a are they professional? That's a thing. They can't be if they're still going to play college, so no. That's that's really nice. Uh huh. It's yeah. funny though, uh all so many early design entries in this sort of um the initial ask you know you kind of describe what you're looking for yeah and i was like well i mash up stand-up comedy and magic and these initial designs were pretty brutal you know it was like a microphone coming out of a top hat or you know i mean just Mm -hmm. really literal really bad right so i redid the specs to you know really focus on the initials dh okay and integrate at stand-up magician designated hitter i'm sorry not following that's right um, and some some much better <laughs> things came out of that. Very cool. You know, I just realized we haven't given the uh, we're doing that new thing here. We're giving a promo code, Derek. Yeah, well, if, this is important. If people want to come see your show uh, Friday night, January fourth, 
2019. So this could be in the past and you missed it. It could be tomorrow. It could be tonight. I don't know when you're hearing this. 10.30 show, Friday, January 4th, 2019. That show, if you want to go for $5, the keyword is magic. Call Acme. They will answer the phone, 612-338-6393. Tell them you want to go see Derek Friday night at 1030 and say the word magic, and you will get a ticket for $5. If you want two tickets, you'll get two tickets for $10, and that's how that works. Is there any limit? I have no, until we sell out, I think, Derek, until Fantastic. we fill the place. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. So there it is, magic, I might do it. $5 tickets. Tell your friends. I might call in. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I think apparently we had one person use the code last week. That's awesome. And that was the first week we tried it. And it's weird, you know, holiday weeks. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Do you know, do you have the diagnostic on... On on the podcast, like, do you know how many listeners you get? Do you do you get information when when it gets listened to? Mm, never enough. That's all I'm going to say is never enough. Sure, <laughs> never enough. Yeah, I mean, I see some numbers. Okay, I see some numbers, but there's also you know it's we plastered all over the place. There's also you know you see numbers that are for downloads. Well, maybe people download and they never listen. Sure. Or maybe you know I post it on YouTube. Maybe they're only watching it on listening to the audio on YouTube. Well, that's not going to get counted. Where the little where the main pod bean where we post the show sure that doesn't get counted so i I don't know and you have subscribers oh yeah Mm -hmm. yep uh always want more the whole point is get people to come to the shows yeah subscribe so to the podcast absolutely if you're not a subscriber subscribe now Mm -hmm. then you'll then you'll know when a new episode drops exactly exactly are you i got a couple more things i want to get to before we cut you loose here the uh have you? There's a TV show coming, Houdini's La- La- Last Secrets. I did not know this on the Science Channel. Do you have the Science Channel? I don't know if I have the Science. I don't channel. think I have any channels well, then anymore. You probably don't. They're doing a show called Houdini's Last Secrets, not Lost, which I think I wrote down here, but Last. Houdini's Secrets. Last Secrets. Yes. They talk to his. <laughs> so- I, I took. I have some screenshots of what they're doing here. I'm going to read this to you. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> By the way, before you know what, before uh, while I'm looking for that, I have a question that you, you and they'll get you talking here. The difference between like if I say what you do is a magic trick, is that in that's fair to call things? That's tricks, totally fair. Or is it an effect? It's both. Okay. And there are some performers who might find it offensive to call it a trick. I, okay. Um, but you know, that's you don't care. Ap- I do not personally. Take offense. Um, I do feel like some may, may say the trick is cheat, cheat uh, simplifies or ch- cheapens what you're doing. Maybe. Well, but I'm not presenting myself to be a, a true mystic. You know. Yeah. I've studied deception and I present it in an entertaining way, and I'm creating the illusion of of someone who has exceptional powers or skills. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not trying to start a religion, so calling it a trick is—it's semantics. Sure. Um, I, if I'm talking with uh, other magicians, we talk effect, effect. Um, or routine. Okay. You yeah. know. Uh, but yeah, the effect, because really, that's that's what we really are doing. It's it's really not about the trick. You know, I know I'm going to fool someone watching me but it's not a if it were only about that then i would be a prankster <laughs> you know it would be like ah tricked yeah but hopefully <laughs> i don't my Good aim point. is you know i don't want to leave an audience feeling like oh that guy made me feel stupid yeah like, yeah ha you're dumb correct you know like i was just out at eagle magic store which is in burnsville larry Kalo, he runs this fantastic magic shop um and my buddy Nathan, who illustrated the book, he wanted to get some uh, magic tricks that his maybe his father could do. So Larry demonstrated a classic uh, in which a ball vanishes and appears in a small uh, vase. Okay, and then Larry leaves after the trick. He leaves the vase on the counter and turns around to get another thing. And Nathan takes the vase and kind of examines it, and it's. Nothing funny there. Nothing funny to be seen. Mm-hmm. And Larry then in Nathan bought it, 
And so then Larry taught him how to do it gave him some pointers and one of the pointers was when you're done with the trick don't then just hand them the, the thing and say here check it out right see there's no tricks what you do is you leave it there and then go to be distracted look at something step away freeing them to follow the impulse to touch ah. and grab it and then you're not saying hi hey, you know you you're a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's nothing here. You're a jerk. Uh-huh. You can let them look at it and kind of go, oh, wow, that's even more impossible. Yeah, yeah. And it's a much, you know, better way to allow someone to be fooled without feeling foolish. That's a good way to put that. This is a little info I have about that Houdini's Last Secrets. Uh, it's going to feature commentary from magicians, engineers, and illusionists, as well as a descendant of Houdini. In an attempt to uncover the science behind some of his most mind-boggling stunts. Wow. Uh, the, uh, his grand-nephew, George Hardeen, will participate in the four-part series which seeks to unravel the mystery around the man who caught a speeding bullet, survived live burial, and imprisoned himself inside a water tank. Uh, it will look into his personal life through <coughs> scrapbooks and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is the part, really part I want to tell you about. Each episode is will focus on one of Houdini's death-defying tricks, uh, with the premiere centering on his famous water torture cell escape. The remainder of the episodes will explore more stunts, including burning alive, uh, live burial, and catching a bullet. Wow. Yeah. You know, this is a little reminiscent of a new series on Netflix called Death by Magic. Yeah, have you watched any of that? I did. Do you know uh, that guy? I do. Okay. He's a British guy. Yeah. And, uh... I did. I do feel like that show sort of the he's exploring supposedly. I mean, really, is every episode he sort of explores one trick that some magician throughout history died doing, and then he's going to re- recreate it. Yeah, as but he I, says, even more da- in even in an even more dangerous situation. Sure, sure, and <laughs> but it, it did seem to me like it was a, a, a very nice framing for a street magic show. Like he's going to some beautiful locations, and he's a great magician. Um, it is funny, yeah. But that seems similar, you know, yeah. like a death-defying trick. Let's explore it. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, what did you think? Um, well, yeah, we'll wrap this up pretty quick here. But I want to know what you thought when last time you were on, you told the amazing, uh, you give the amazing details of hanging out with David Copperfield when you went into his warehouse and stuff. Yes. Yes. Now, since then, he had to admit. About how he did one of his did what's it called Lucky Thirteen whatever it is. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, Keep you going. Do. <laughs> Last spring he had to. He did. He had yeah. a lawsuit. There was a serious lawsuit. Um, someone uh, he ca- he does this incredible trick where he calls a number of people up on stage and he basically makes the entire group of real audience members disappear. Yeah. And uh, someone apparently had fallen down and and bumped their head or something. During the the method yep. of the effect, yep. and got litigious and brought him to court. He won. Copperfield won. Um, he did. You know, he was found. He was exonerated. Yeah. From the uh, however the charges. What he had to show, but to get that. Yeah, and they fought against that. He you had know? to explain and I, how he does that. He did have to for the court. You know, kind of go into the details of of what that trick, what what it was involved in that trick. Yeah. Um, what was what, as someone who does this for a living? How how were you? I felt bad for him because you know, listen, it, as a magician, from day one, page one of any kid's magic book is never tell the secret. It's really important. Because what we create is mystery and and we create a lingering sense of how the heck was that possible? And I think it's more important than just how 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 is how is it possible what we saw tonight happened that I think, you know, radiates further into life. And it it's really important that mysteries exist. Mm-hmm. It's re- really important to to understand that. There are certain things we will never understand, and that is part of this this experience called life. Um, I mean, it's getting very deep very quick, mm-hmm. but so as a magician, you know, we kind of have an important role in a, in a way, and yeah. we do our little part to, to, to say, 
mystery exists. Mm -hmm. And so to to be forced to say, "Mm, not really magic is a bummer. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a similar experience, not a similar experience, but I sort of parallel to this was doing Penn and Teller's Fool Us. And I did a trick that I knew wasn't going to fool them, but I wanted real. it's it's one of my favorite tricks and it's got a lot of great jokes and it's very entertaining and I knew it would be very good on television. And, you know, I totally killed the room, you know, out there in, you know, at the Rio where we taped and then to have Penn and Teller lean in and go, well, you didn't fool us. And I knew that was going to be their reaction, their response, but it felt horrible. Oh yeah. You know, to have anybody wink and go, not really magic is just anathema to the whole pursuit. Sure. So, so I felt bad. I felt bad for David. Uh, his his right hand man, Chris Kenner, was integral to the court, you know, proceedings, and I felt bad that he had to be put on the spot. And uh, you know, I was really glad that the guy didn't win because he because that would open the door to just more litigious bullshit. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think they maliciously, you know, I, I don't think they intentionally tried to hurt somebody or, you know. Right. Anyways. Right, right, right. Huh. Yeah. There you go. And to, as a sidebar, uh, I recently went back to the warehouse. Okay. It's now more fully operational, and he has a whole Houdini setup that is just insane. Um, sort of the special area. When we talked, it, it was sort of under construction, uh-huh. so there was big sections that I didn't quite. We didn't get to get to see. Yeah. Uh, and one of the most incredible things. Did, he when did, you went back, did he shoot? Was it was he there again? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and. He did this really great thing where he had, when he was a kid, he got his first magic trick from a small wooden counter at, I want to say F.A.O. Schwartz or Macy's. Maybe it was Macy's. Don't hold me to it. But uh, he got that counter. Oh, my God. He bought it. Oh, my God. And so he stood behind the counter and showed us the trick the- that got him into – it was so meta. Wow. Yeah. It just blew my brain to pieces. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was pretty pretty mystical. Wow. Yeah. So you went back. That's so cool. Yeah. It was any opportunity I get to, to go. Uh, it was um, Michael Carbonaro has an amazing show, which we're on Netflix now. Yeah. So um, you can see, uh, I think, season one fully streaming, and we're gearing up to go into season five. We just wrapped season four, and that's starting to air now. And you're doing, you're helping again? Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Good, good. And we did some really exciting stuff, really cutting edge stuff. You know, we did, uh, we really pushed the envelope of what we thought was possible. We wanted to take advantage, one, one of the bits, we wanted to take advantage of uh, the fact that he has a fan base now, because it's kind of a hidden camera show, and he's wearing costumes. So it's harder to, yeah, you know, there's people who recognize him, yeah. you know, they, uh-huh. they see him and go, oh, it's you, you're that guy. Yeah. So we actually found fans, and we did a thing with a fan uh, that they were not prepared for, and it, it was pretty great. Okay. You know? Um, Do you know when that comes back on TV? Uh, I think season four might be complete. No, I think season four is still airing new episodes through, the, through this month, and then, uh, and then those will be in rotation. And then we'll start working on season five. I'll come late home spring. randomly, and that show is on the TV. Yeah. And my wife and kids are just like. We did something outdoor at the it. at the White Sox stadium, um, you know, live a live real game, and he was a concessionaire, you know. Uh, Wait, at, like what I do up and down the stairs or behind a counter? no behind a counter? Okay. He had a, like a food a food uh, kiosk. Okay, and so we c- came up with these crazy. Uh, one of the things was uh, <laughs> a pretzel machine, but it, it's just little baggies hanging on the the the, the prongs, yeah. right? And he pulls it out and opens a little package, and it's a brown animal balloon. Uh-huh. And he blows it up, ties it into a knot, flash a fire, and now it's a hot pretzel. No, yeah, freshly blown. <laughs> Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. But, you know, huge. We couldn't have anticipated it. It was a nightmare. Once the game started, we would start rolling 
And then they'd crank the Beatles. Oh, and you can't have the mute, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was like this huge fiasco, <laughs> and we had to, like, you know, get get coordinated with the stadium. Like, please, can you, you know, can we lay off the Beatles? Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. yeah. We don't have rights. It was chaos, <laughs> and it was, it was a miracle. We pulled it off, and it was, but exciting, you know, like completely new environment different sort of feel and production to to be in such an active space okay. and still blow people's minds great is there have you done another one of the things we talked about last time is you had kind of recently done that uh, that role on agents of shield have oh yeah anything else since yeah since so dig this apparently uh i'll be getting a shipment of my character's trading cards from upper deck what to sign them and send them back. No. As collectors <laughs> signed. I know. No. I'm going to have a trading card. Dude. It's pretty awesome. There's got I I don't know how to I don't know how to present the question that I need to start asking every week, which is like I don't know how to say it because a few months ago, Sklar Brothers were here. Sure. They're on a baseball card from uh, Major Allen and Ginter, who was owned by Tops. Yeah, Back it's, on Tops. Yeah, was their yeah. YouTube series. So I did a I did a guest star yeah. in Back on Tops. So they've had a big because obviously they're big in sports. So, so they have a baseball card that you can get in packs. The autographed, not autographed. There's collectors versions. You know. Anyway, uh, Jackie Cation was here a few weeks ago. She's in a comic book. She wrote a story uh, that is in a comic book. Her her form, she appears in the comic book. Yes. Yeah. Now you're going to be on a freaking trading card? Like, yeah, maybe maybe you need to ask, like, where outside of the comedy venue, uh, where's the weirdest place that our listeners can find you? Yeah, yeah. What do you have? A playing card, an action figure, a bobblehead? Like, right. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. What was that character's name? Uh, Mertz. And from the TV show you're talking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, in episode... F- f- I think it was four, three or four. Of three a- of season four. Yeah. Or was it episode four of season three? I, One or I, the other. I, if that show's on anymore... I. I hate to say it, I don't even... That's okay. I gave up on it. <laughs> it got weird. It got really... Was it uh, Ghost Rider? Yeah. It just went too far? It just far. was too... Nah, it was too... I don't know, too something. Well, Justin, not being a series regular, I don't take that personally. <laughs> I just am so happy and proud that I exist in the Marvel-verse. Oh. Yeah. That's so cool. And I got to get my hands on one of these cards when they come out. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'll save you one. I'll have to set a... Um, Apparently they send a bunch and then, you, you know, there's like a handful for typos oh, and mistakes. Sure. I just thought of another person, uh, Josh Weinstein. Okay. Mystery Science Theater has, yeah. has trading cards now. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's uh, he's on a bunch of them. He did the same thing. He signed, you know, a couple hundred at a time. He was Amazing. telling me. Yeah. I have a few. Oh, cool. My buddy bought a Did you see box. the live show when it came through? I did not. Oh, I wanted to. I did not. Yeah. I've watched it on Netflix since okay. then, but I did not go to the live show. I think we covered everything. Actually, we didn't, but we've run out of time, and um, you need to go get healthy. So nice to see you. Hell yeah. So nice to see you. Let's do this again in less than a year and a half. I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you.